and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. I'm your host, Stephen Weed, of course, always joining me in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, recently in Cleveland, Ohio, Mr. Walter Lukashensky. So, Wally, I'm not, I'm not going to even waste any time here. We all know this is the post-draft episode, and yours truly, especially if you follow him on Twitter or down underscore loss on Twitter, you're going to quickly realize you saw Wally Lukashensky at the draft. I... Don't even know how to start by telling you this. This weekend was phenomenal. This draft was phenomenal. Uh, Before we get into the personal story of things, I just want to say, too, I felt like Cleveland did a tremendous job with COVID considering. Was it as good as past drafts? No, but it wasn't Cleveland's fault. It was simply the best it could have been with the situation that was there. I was happy with it. I thought it was great. I thought that the people there did a great job. I know my buddy Jackson Day up from Cincinnati, Ohio, was part of the security team there. He did a great job. He helped us out, threw us to the right people. And it just so happened that that got us pointed in the right direction where you could see me on TV. But, yeah, it was phenomenal draft. Can't wait till the next one in Vegas. Just phenomenal, man. I got, I got only good things to say about Cleveland and about the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can kiss Cleveland's ass all we want. We love Cleveland. By the lake. Okay, cool. What I and the viewers want to know, how in the hell did you get up to the stage in Roger Goodell's seat? How'd you pull that off? Whose ass are you kissing? And how, how comfy was it? It's like from uh, it's that scene from Fever Pitch. The field. Is it spongy? First of all, great movie. I love Fever Pitch. I'm not a big uh what is it? What's his name? Help me out. Jimmy Fallon. Andrew Barrymore. Yeah. First of all, yeah, again, great movie. I can't believe I forgot that. I think I blocked him out of my memory because Jimmy Fallon experience took over the Twister ride at Universal, and I have not gotten over that yet. If you know me, I'm a Twister guy. Bill Paxton, ride or die, whatever. You asked me how I got in the chair. That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? If you do not like hearing my voice, then this is going to be a rough 10-minute stretch for you. I get nothing but compliments about your voice. All my friends tell a bunch of their friends to listen to the podcast because of your voice. Nothing about me. So if anyone has an annoying voice on the cast, I think it's me. Continue, Walter. I appreciate the quick little tire pump from you. So that that was helpful. Thank you. I needed that right before this, Ian. He's out here even pumping the tires. I wish the camera was set up. I wish I knew how to do my job enough for you to see that. We will get that figured out, though. That is fine. But you asked me how. Again, you're about to get a little monologue here. You might, If you want to actually hear some stuff, non-NFL draft story mode, this is where you click fast forward on the, the little Spotify button about 100 times until I stop talking. But here you go. So, not a big deal. First of all, Thursday, my buddy from Cincinnati, he's up there. He's doing the security detail. He did a great job. He helped point me in the right direction, which without him, who knows if I'm even in the situation. So, Thursday night. My buddy and I, Tyler, we go and get into the vaccinated zone. That takes forever in a day. We're standing out there. It's 45 degrees. It is 20 mile an hour winds. We're right on the lake. It's raining. We're miserable. And this is where the benefit of not like COVID's a good thing, but it was a benefit for us. COVID was here. Normal drafts, you're looking at 50% hometown city fandom representing the entire crowd. So 50% random other fans like me that are typically showing up. This year, it was probably 90% Browns fans because there's not a lot of travel, because it's all vaccinated. A lot of people that didn't do their homework, didn't bring their vaccination cards, didn't get up close. So I have mine. My buddy has his. 
we get into this little section. We're probably, I don't know, 400 yards away from the stage. We're still a ways out. Like I said, it's miserable. There's not a lot of fans of other teams. The NFL personnel starts walking around at pick, I don't know, let's call it 22-23 in round one. They see me as a Raider fan. Oh, you know what? We don't have 12 Raider fans in that interior section right now. You want to come on in? Ah, You know what? I wish I could, but my buddy here, he's a Browns fan. He can't come into the Raiders section with me. They look at him. Guy does the up and down, head to toe. What's he do? He looks at, ah, you know what? He's got a black Browns hat. That'll work. So we're in. No big deal. We have the little footage. We're about, I don't know, 50 yards away from Goodell now. It's pretty crazy. I say 50 yards. It's probably closer to 50 feet in all reality. We end up getting a picture with him. Roger Goodell. Walk right up to him. Hey, buddy. You you mind taking a picture with us? I hate to say this. He was incredibly nice. Of course, what's he going to be to the fans? Oh, you're already shaking your head. God damn it. No, I don't want to hear this. This is... This is the opposite story of when you meet your hero and then you find out they're a douchebag. It's like you meet the nemesis and you find out, yeah, you know what? I think I would have a, a beer with that dude. No, I'm still not going to believe it. Fuck Adele. See, yeah, I was saying that literally up until the picture clicked. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm ready to carry the water for the league. I'm ready to spit shine their shoes. No problem. Protect the shield at all costs. I was all about it. So fired up. This is great. I have Roger Goodell next to me. I'm like, this weekend can't get any better. This draft has already surmounted what we do in a typical experience. Yeehaw, we're done. We see the Browns draft pick up close. We see Miles Garrett. We get all that. It's all great, fun and games. We go home. I'm like, my God, Tyler, nothing is going to make today better. We got to get a picture with Roger Goodell in Cleveland. He's a Browns fan. I'm obviously from the area of Ohio. NFL draft in, in Cleveland is a sacred thing. It is sacred. So like, this can't get any better. This is top of the chain, whatever. Then what happens? Friday happens. Still pretty chilly. We're talking about 45, still windy, little overcast, not rain though. So it's okay. There's still a couple, there's a couple other uh, fans trickling into other teams. Like, Damn it, Tyler, we're not going to get it done. We're not going to be able to get up close. We're not going to get into the quote unquote inside circle again. So it starts going on, you know, the drill. The Raiders go up. We make our second pick. The Browns make their second pick. Great pick, by the way. Awuso, Jeremiah, or whatever you say his damn name. I know he has a little bit of worries about the the old, uh, the old health coming into this, which is what made him fall. That don't matter. Great draft for the Browns. We'll get to that in a minute. But then the crowd starts thinning out a little bit. COVID makes it so that the people – that really are football fans probably aren't going to be there in most sense of the word. So I go up, I go, hey, NFL employee, my buddy and I, we were in that inner circle the other day. Is there any chance maybe, just maybe, you need a couple Raider fans to slide in there? Because this is what your boy did. I gave my friend a Raiders pullover before we got there. Because I'm like, this Raiders pullover is the key. This is the key to happiness. You're not getting into the Raiders circle with the Browns jersey. He wears that on. We get thrown in there. Okay, this is pretty sweet. There's 12 people in this section for whatever reason. There's only four Raider fans now. Three if you exclude my buddy. The two people in front of me, shit-faced. Shit-faced, Steven. I'm the only sober one now. I'm the only non- or the only sober Raiders fan here at any point. They come walking up to me. Hey, buddy, you want to go up into the Roger Goodell chair? Like, what? What do you mean am I going to go up to the Roger Goodell chair? Like, all right, I already met the guy. I know we're best friends. I'm probably going to be working in the league offices in about a week. 
This is all right. Sure, we'll do it. All right, whatever. So I get up on stage. I can't help myself. If you're listening to this, you've probably already seen it. I have. I take a little video. My hands are shaking like a mother. The video is hard to watch, but I couldn't help myself. I'm sitting here cross-legged like I'm sitting at a freaking baseball game in Roger Goodell's seat. You ask me if that's actually Roger Goodell's chair. I don't know. Was it comfortable? I'd say it's so. I mean, when there's about a million people watching, I felt I was comfortable as I physically could have. And I had a little bit of the whole, I don't know how this guy's able to actually do these draft picks every single time without screwing it up. Because I was sitting there worried about the dap. You know what I'm talking about already. I'm sitting in the chair. All of a sudden, what happens? Lights come on. Oh, God, we're on national TV. Well, you can't screw this up. TV's all around. Alec Ingold, Wisconsin, fullback. I already love the guy. Best fullback in the game. Best ball skills of any fullback in the game. He's walking up. All I'm thinking about is, Wally, do not look as white as you are. Do not look as white as you are. Do not miss this dap. If you miss the dap, everything else was a waste. What are you doing here? What ha- I, I go palm to palm. It was perfect. It was out of a textbook. It was out of a movie. I hit it. Guy goes, or here's your hat, buddy. And I was all excited. I'm like, oh my God, here, do you want to take my hat? So if you go back, you can actually see we trade hats because I'm such a dumbass. I don't think he's just giving the Raider fan the Raider hat. I'm like, oh my God, he wants to hat switch with me. So here I think I'm playing in the Premier League and it's just like, hey, jersey swap. That You want my hat? I got your hat. So for whatever reason, I think this great thing, he goes up, makes the picks. There's Wally just clapping on screen. Happy as a clam. Do I hear the names? I don't remember the guys that they picked immediately. I couldn't even hear it because I'm like, this is great. I don't care. The guy could have taken Darius Hayward Bay again, and I would have been up there clapping. No problems. Jamarcus Russell, that guy sounds great. All right. Where's Goodell? I want to get another picture with that guy. I'd be like 70 yards throwing from his knees to the crossbar. Jamarcus sounds like a great dude. Okay. I know. Long story. Got to wrap it up here for you. Got We actually have football stuff to talk about. Anyways, so he does the walk by. I look like a dumbass again. Everybody's like, Wally, what did you guys say? You pointed at yourself. What? And you started walking off stage with them. All that actually happened was he's like, hey, buddy, we got to walk off stage this way. And my dumbass was like, oh, my gosh. Wait, don't I walk down the other direction? Am I walking with you? And that was the point. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you had this deep, heartfelt conversation with Alec Engold. When in reality, it was me just being myself. Oh, am I – Am I allowed to walk? Am I allowed to walk off stage with you? Am, it, it, like, I don't have to just jump right off the front. So, yeah, it was, a, it was an incredible experience. I know I've been droning on here. I, I got to be on national TV as Alec Ingold makes the pick, not, not to mention for the record. Here's a fun little fact for you, Stephen. Don't fact check me because if there's someone else out there, it's going to break my heart. But here it is. Your boy, loss of down. That is down underscore loss on Twitter, by the way. This guy is the only person in the history of the NFL to sit in Roger Goodell's chair for two consecutive picks. Everybody else got up there for one, Stephen. Everyone got out there for one. I got out there for two in a row. Luca legend. That is right. I mean, we're just we're just over here. Hold on. Oh, I'm getting a call. Yep. Yeah, hey, Guinness World Record. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing the podcast here with Wally right now. Yep, I'll give I'll give him his phone. I'll give you his phone number. Not a problem. All right, Wally. We're getting the plaque here soon, bud. I'm a hero. I, I'm not going to try to make it seem like this was anything out of the ordinary. I sat in a chair. 
and a guy walked by me and made a pick. Am I a hero for that? I don't know. I guess you can be the judge. I, I will say this, though. Colleen Wolf, by the way, smoke show. Love me some Colleen Wolf. Even though she's from Philly, I'll forgive her. She comes out. She's taking pictures, too. What do I do? I walk up there being the gentleman I am, nice guy as I am. Hey, Colleen, do you mind if you take a picture with my buddy Tyler and I? She goes, hey, man, I we actually have to go back up on stage for the rest of this. If you guys stick around, maybe we can hit you after. I go, hey, I completely understand it. Go ahead. We appreciate it. What's she do, Steven? She goes, well, because you're so nice, I'll take one more with you guys. She called me sweet. She called me sweet. So am, am Colleen Wolf and I going to be married by the end of next year? I, you can, again, I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm going to let history be the judge. But there's a good chance that, yeah, Colleen Wolf and I are married by the draft in Vegas next year. How many kids are you thinking about popping out? Okay, this is a tricky question here because she's Philly, man. Do I really put extra Philadelphia fans into the world? I don't know if I can do that. But isn't that kind of hot, though, just always having that rivalry? I just know that I would hate the half of my children that ended up being Philadelphia fans, and I would definitely love my children that are Pittsburgh fans 10 times as much. That's a lock. A lock, Steven. She gets the girls as the Philly fans. You keep the boys as the as the Pittsburgh fans. I think that's only fair. Well, yeah, and then my luck, I'd shoot out seven girls. They, this would all be on me. This would be my fault then, so I can't have that happen. So under over under two and a half weeks that the uh, city of Pittsburgh is going to give you a key to the city because of your heroic acts here this past weekend. Well, yeah, I think that you're probably thinking too small at this point. I'm thinking not only does Pittsburgh give me the key, Vegas also has to give me the key for representing the city so well, which then in turn, Oakland probably should give me the key as being or, or the key of their city because they also had the Raiders. And then at that point, go to LA as well because the Raiders still are best represented in LA. Screw the Chargers and screw the Rams. That's still Raider country as well. So I should have four keys to the city coming to my, my little, well, I don't even know, call keychain. I guess my keychain here in the coming weeks. It's going to look like the janitor from Scrubs keychain here soon. God, you're such a noble person. I'm sure you'll get the key to the city well, yet again. You know, being a doctor in English, I'm sure they have to recognize that as well now that you're on the got your 15 minutes. Well, I tell you, if Colleen Wolf comes knocking and asking if I have a doctorate in English, you see how fast I start accepting that. I'll hang something in my office. I'm sure that's not the only thing that's going to be going fast if Colleen Wolf comes knocking at the door, Wally. I'm not going to dignify that with a response, but yes. <laughs> I can't uh, I can't agree nor deny. But that's enough about Wally's experience. We're really here to, you know, kind of talk, you know, kind of listen to me talk. Let's cross this off your list. Nope, don't want to restart my computer right now. Remind me tomorrow. I've been doing that for about three weeks. So eventually, we're going to have to get that fucking downloaded. But in due time, before we hop into the draft... A little bit, you know, the actual draft, not Wally just sitting on his sitting on a couch, which doesn't really seem like it'd be too different if he was uh, back home in Pittsburgh. Nonetheless, plenty of story that we have here that has been really gaining traction in the last few days. Tim Tebow getting a tryout with the Jacksonville Jaguars, not as a quarterback, but as a tight end. Now, obviously, if you if you guys can put two and two together here, Urban Meyer, the newly hired head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, was Tebow's college coach at Florida during those couple national championship runs. 
Now, Tebow has not been in the league since 2012, obviously during that crazy wild card win at home against the Steelers. Demarius Thomas, what, 75-yard touchdown, 80-yard touchdown, whatever it was. Whenever they moved the touch, the touchback position to the 20-yard line, that's when it was. Is this a real reality that Tim Tebow could be back in the NFL and contributing to an NFL team? I would usually tell you no. But you also got to see this is a Jacksonville Jaguars team that has a massive hole at tight end. A massive hole. And all they did to address it this offseason was through the NFL draft, Luke Farrell from Ohio State in the fifth round. Didn't get a lot of great grades. We'll let him like figure out on the field if he's worth it or not. Ohio State doesn't really use their tight ends well. What I will say is that Ohio State coach, when Luke Farrell was recruited, was Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is very comfortable going back to the well and going to people that he has a network with, people he's comfortable with. So would I be entirely shocked? No, I wouldn't. There's a hole there. I can see Urban being the guy. And I saw a tweet earlier and I thought it was hilarious. And it's a little sad but true. What's the guy that does bar rescue? Help me out. Do you know who, what I'm talking about? John Taffer. That's your daughter. <laughs> exactly. John Taffer screaming, shut it down. The quote tweet of it was, the first time that Tim Tebow comes in for Trevor Lawrence in a gadget play in Jacksonville. And I think it was the guys from my group chat in Cleveland that sent it, but phenomenally funny. But that's the kind of coach he is. You can see him sticking with his roots, so to speak, to do these kind of things. I would probably bet against it as of now, but if it happens, wouldn't be shocked at all. What do you think? Do you think Tim Tebow, nine years, nine Nine. That's N-I-N-E. Nine years after being in the NFL, he gets another crack at at an entirely different position. So Tim Tebow, you know, he's at least been keeping busy. He's in athletic shape. He's been playing baseball here in the offseason, but he's even that that's been done for about one or two years now, right? Well, this is the first year he's not playing baseball, but even so, yeah, it's been what, six months? Nonetheless, now when he was floating around there towards the tail end of his career in the NFL. Jets, New England for a little bit. Now he did they did test some tight end plays with him in there. So this is nothing out of the ordinary. If he's still built like a shit brick house, I mean, why not? The tight end depth in Jacksonville, to your point, what you're saying is just god awful. They have Tyler Davis, who's a two-year pro out of Georgia Tech, Luke Farrell, the rookie out of Ohio State, and that's the only two tight ends that they do have currently on the roster. And most likely one of those are, are going to be in the practice squad. And Chris Manhurts, who's a tight end, he's about six years out of Kinesis College. Nonetheless, guy's going to suck dick. Why not test it out? There's not a lot of market in the tight end position. Obviously, they had Tyler Eifert here last year. You know his injury history. I believe he officially retired from the league. He just cannot do it anymore. Why not? Fuck it. You know the fans are going to love him. You'd sell jerseys. It's the only thing I can think to say, especially in Florida. Not that far from Gainesville. I wouldn't be shocked, but again, I'm not betting on it. Maybe Luke Farrell surprises us and he turns out to be pretty good. But, yeah, I I think that you need to go out at some point and get a legitimate tight end weapon for Lawrence if you want him to succeed. And that's not, what, 34-year-old Tim Tebow. Speaking of a surprise, this really isn't a surprise, but I hope that we do get surprised on Sunday. Running in the Golden Games and Distance Open, essentially Olympic qualifier here, DK Metcalf is participating in the 100-meter dash. Or this man so fast – has the potential of being an Olympian. 
while at the same time being an NFL star. Now, last the last person to do this was in the 80s. No one really does this too often, obviously. Now, once DK posted up his 40-yard dash time at the Combine one in 2019, the U.S. Olympic team definitely reached out with a, with a tweet, kind of poking the bear to see if it can happen. It's going to be a reality here this Sunday. I want to say around 7 p.m. I know I'm watching. Wally, are you going to tune in for this? I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know about the actual viewer watching thing because the Olympics, outside of maybe winter because I'm a hockey head, they really don't do much for me. But this is crazy to me to imagine in the, in the year 2021 that you can have a guy that plays football as a profession jump over. and I don't know enough about Olympics. I don't know enough about track and field to know if he has a legitimate shot. I just know the guy's freaking fast. And if he's fast enough to get invited, they must think he's pretty fast too. So I'm rooting for it. I hope it goes well. But I don't know what to expect, man. To back up their confidence and giving him, you know, giving him the go, giving him the tryout. Of course, on their Twitter, they reposted him when he hawked down Buda Baker in that almost pick six against the Cardinals this year. So once you see that, you're like, oh, yeah. You know what? I think he can't compete in this. There's not a bigger fan of DK Metcalf to make the Olympic team than Buda Baker. He's going to be watching that and be like, I tried telling you guys, this he's fast, okay? I'm not slow, okay? He's Olympic speed. So with all the fast athletes that we have in the NFL nowadays, I mean, I feel like speed is something that these players will hone on and make it their specialty. Like a Tyreek Hill. Why are we not seeing Tyreek Hill make this leap or trying to at least? I, the only thing I can think of, again, I am not a track expert. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I am. But a lot of the football speed is different than Olympic track speed just because it's the quick movements. It's the quick in and out of your cuts. Tyreek Hill, as fast as he is, if you line him up and just say run a straight line for 100 meters, I don't know. Maybe someone that focuses primarily on running 100 meters as a profession would likely have the upper hand. So I would say maybe – I mean, you know how it works for football. If you're running a, a fly rod at the opponent's 35-yard line – you need to be faster for the first 30 yards. That's 70 extra meters that you're talking about. And it, I don't know. I don't know how that would translate. Again, this is me just coming off as this fat loser that doesn't run besides running down the stairs to grab another beer. So that I don't know. I'm hoping he does well, but I don't know how it would translate. I think it's going to translate – Pretty damn well. I'm excited. This is going to be sweet. You know, we live in an age nowadays where we don't really – we don't see any two-sport athletes where they kind of cross over. I mean, of course, for the phenomenal Tim Tebow. But, you know, he's on a pedestal on his throne by himself. But it's very rare nowadays, you know, where you had the Michael Jordans, the Bo Jacksons being able to cross over, the Deion Sanders being able to do that. We, don't, we have not had a player where we can own that in our generation. Maybe this could be. Yeah, and even guys like Michael Jordan and Tim Tebow. I know you said Tim Tebow with the tongue-in-cheek kind of joking. But Michael Jordan, best basketball player of all time or second best, whichever way you fall on that discussion. He played baseball. He was a double-A player, and he was not a very good one. It's hard to be a two-sport athlete. Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson were phenomenal athletes. I would love to have that again. I just don't think it's realistic in the way – we approach sports as a profession in 2021. Before we get into what happened here in the draft, I do want to kind of touch on a couple free agents that, that I find surprising. You got Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell. No one's really talked about them. These were two of the best backs three years ago. These were the top two guys. And all of a sudden, they cannot find a team. 
are they going to make a late season push and actually sign with a contender here, maybe contribute to a team, get it for cheap, get back to their old ways? To be honest, I don't think either one of them are that much of a, I, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Blue trip prospect that these guys are out there looking for. Gurley's had a decrease in his production the last two years since his ACL tear. I know he's only 26, which is crazy because we've been hearing his name since the Georgia days, even high school days for people that are a fan of recruiting out there. So it feels like he's been around 100 years. He is only 26, but he has a lot of wear and tear on his body already. As for Le'Veon Bell, he's 29. That's ancient for running back years. You don't want to sign a guy like that to more than a one or a two-year deal. And he's coming off his two worst seasons as a pro. He only had 98 touches last year. I know he split time. I know you had Clyde Edwards-Elair in Kansas City. But what about Le'Veon Bell has he done since his year off in Pittsburgh that makes you believe that he's worth giving a big contract to or even a sizable contract to? Agreed, but I think there wasn't enough touches for him last year to even get a read on him, right? He'd even have 100 touches, which is the lowest in his career, obviously. I still think that he would have some left in the tank because he doesn't have wear and tear the past year and a half really you know he was injured with the jets gets trade gets released gets picked up by the chiefs and we barely see him we barely saw him in the offseason so i don't think he's touched the ball really since what no the end of november early december maybe end of december so i think l bell can go on a very lucrative one-year deal somewhere add value as a passing you know as more of a receiving back i should say you can still have that. You can still have that Christian McCaffrey effect. Remember when we were comparing CMC to Lev Bell? Look at that point in his career now. We're, it's kind of vice versa. That's the Todd Gurley. He did crack 195. That's his lowest in his career. Only had 678 yards, nine touchdowns. He is so young. You can put him in a two-back system and be dangerous where it takes a lot of pressure off him and bring, you know, having two different backs to attack the defense a little bit differently. I don't know. Would it be crazy? The Titans maybe paired him up with Derrick Henry. A little power back for Derrick Henry outside of the tackles here for Todd Gurley. Would that be too insane? Well, honestly, Tennessee is a good fit. It's just a matter of whether or not these guys are willing to take the discounts to go to a potential place like that. Because right now, I mean, you're talking about Jeremy McNichols. That is their backup running back right now. And even if you want to spell a guy like that, it's not going to be a McNichols and a Derrick Henry You'd love to have a guy like Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell. It's just a matter of, is Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley willing to take that one-year, two, two-and-a-half million-dollar deal? And I don't know if Le'Veon Bell is. We saw he's willing to sit out to get paid. Todd Gurley, I don't know. I think that he'd be at least intrigued by it, especially in a place like that where he has another really good back in front of him that he could potentially flourish with his style of play. Glad we're on the same page, Walter. Now, let's finally dive in. Draft this past Thursday. Now, obviously, no big surprise. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Zach Wilson, number two to the Jags and the New York Jets, respectively. The number three pick is what was the most talked about pick here the last couple months, or at least when San Francisco traded up three first-round picks to get him and a little bit more. Trey Lance as the pick patting myself on the back. I've been on the Trey Lance train for a while, mostly because I was just ignorant and arrogant, but it worked out for me. So you can't hate on that, Wally. Trey Lance, very young dude. He's turning uh, 21 here, I believe on May 4th, or May 9th, excuse me. So he's finally about to turn 21. Super young kid, getting in that Kyle Shanahan offense. Only threw 318 passes at the FCS level. 
only played in one game this past year where he only threw 30 passes, completed 15 of those. So 50%, very small sample size. Would you say that this was a stretch for San Francisco? Or how did you end up liking this pick outside of your bias that it should have been Justin Fields? Yeah, well, first of all, congrats to you for drilling this just because I think a lot of people like myself, if you got this wrong, it's what we were talking about. That was the pivot point of the NFL draft, three and four. And if you didn't hit those picks right, you might as well take out your mock draft, throw it in a wood chipper because that's how good it would do you. But yeah, I mean, he has the upside. It's just a matter of how much do we know about him? He's playing FCS opponents. And this is the same guy that a lot of people don't understand. He's thrown less than 500 passes since his varsity days in high school. That is not a lot of time for evaluation, especially when you're not playing the SECs, the Big Tens, ACCs, Big 12, Pac-12, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, of the world. North Dakota State is a class above everybody else at that level. And the fact that he was able to achieve there is a large part a testament to how talented he was. But it's also, you have the the question marks of the, man, I wonder how much of this was attributed to the FCS opponent. You just talked a second ago, he played one game this fall because they had the shortened year with COVID and really brilliant on North Dakota State's part. What a lot of people don't know is because they scheduled one game, they had an extra month of practice that all the other FCS schools that didn't have a game in the fall had. So you get another, whatever, 20 practices to break in your players. It's a great idea. And it also gave them a chance to highlight Trey Lance one more time, which does wonders for a program, especially at the FCS level. So good for them. What I will say, though, is you said it already. He's 15 of 30 in those games. He wasn't exactly lighting it up with his arm. With that said, he is a beast on the ground. 15 rushes, 143 yards, and two touchdowns in his own right. They entered that game in the fourth down two. They win by 11. Guy outscores the opponents 21 to 8 in the fourth quarter. He has that gamer mentality. He has not lost a freaking start in North Dakota State. I understand North Dakota, North Dakota State wins a lot of their games, but he's phenomenal. I think that upside is there for him. It's just a matter of do you believe the upside comes through or if somewhere in that middle ground that we don't know a lot about yet is what we're going to see out of Trey Lance. I trust Kyle Shanahan, though. And you said it right there. You trust Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is going to... Give this kid time to blossom. He is so young. Kyle Shanahan's got nothing but time. That man is very young, sitting on a nice contract, just as John Lynch is. So they have a lot of time to work this out. Obviously, Jimmy G is still going to be the starter moving forward. We'll see how that goes. With that defense and that game plan with Shanahan, that team is still going to be extremely competitive, no matter how competitive the whole division is going to be. But you give Kyle Shanahan time, with a young talent like that. And like you said, North Dakota State, nothing too crazy. Nonetheless, the kids got talent. Maybe they will adjust their offense with a little bit more passer-friendly, Lamar-esque type offense. We'll cross that bridge when we get here in the next year and a half, two years, potentially three years. But Kyle Shanahan just has a 6'4 size Play-Doh, and he's just going to mold it into an extremely dangerous player. Kid's athletic. He's got an arm. 
he's like a young Andrew Luck. He can sling it. He's not scared to run the ball and just absolutely lower his shoulder into you. Doesn't care if it's a DB, nose tackle, a linebacker. He will deck you. If you want to go look at his highlights, he's busting through two or three people and then going off for another 20, 25, 30-yard run. Or right there at the goal line where he has three or four guys and he just gets up there upright, flicks the ball. Kid's got talent. As much as I do not like San Francisco and them not seeming to have a decline or a Super Bowl winning sh- Super Bowl window shutting on them, this kid is going to be really good. No, I, I really agree. It, it, especially with Shanahan in that system, it, with that coaching staff, with those personnel, that players around him, that great of a defense, he has the best chance of success on destination of any of the quarterbacks in this class. I completely agree. I really don't have much else to add. I'm excited to watch San Francisco play this year. I think if he does get in earlier than later, I think San Francisco has a legitimate chance to come out of the NFC. As always, filthy defense. We'll see how they adjust without Robert Sala, obviously taking the head coaching position. At the New York Jets picking up Mr. Zach Wilson, number two. Nonetheless, they have a shit ton of talent on that defensive side of the ball where I think that they are going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. We're going to pop on here to the number four pick. Honestly, I thought this was a little bit of a surprise, but at the end of the day, not really. Atlanta Falcons pick Kyle Pitts here at number four, which raises some question. We have a lot of chatter about the Julio Jones trade market opening up, team moving on from him after the June 1st, saves up a little bit more cap money for them. But does this mean that it's more likely for Julio to be moved on from Atlanta? I mean, look, I'll have Wally go through, you know, the salary cap here, but Julio staying, that offense should be fucking unstoppable. Well, and it needs to be unstoppable if they actually are going to stick with this group. You asked, though, if this is more likely that Julio moves on now. Yeah, I think 100%. And here's the reason. You kind of started touching on the salary a little bit, so I'm happy to go into that. The Falcons just picked up Calvin Ridley's fifth-year option, and it's just north of $11 million. That might not sound like a ton of money, But let's say if Julio Jones did come back next year, you're talking about Matt Ryan, a $40.5 million cap hit. Julio Jones, 19 and a quarter. Calvin Ridley, north of 11. That's almost $71 million, which when you estimated caps around $200 million. So that's 35%. You're talking over a third of your team. That 53-man roster, that's three guys. You have 50 other guys to deal with that 65%. This is a defense that averaged 26 points last year, and they didn't address that in their first round. Clearly, you weren't going to if you were going to draft the heir apparent to Matt Ryan, or in this case, what actually happened, Julio Jones. I, I think this is the beginning of Julio Jones' end in Atlanta. And once June 1st comes around, we said this a couple shows ago. Actually, I think it was you, Stephen, that pointed it out. But if you trade Julio Jones... Before June 1st, the Falcons were only going to save like $200,000. If you trade him after June 1st, they can spread the cap hit across the remaining years of Julio Jones' deal, and you're saving over $15 million a year. So I think it's 100% a a matter of when opposed to if Julio Jones gets moved. Yeah, that's a, that's a shit ton of money. Atlanta needs to look at itself in the mirror, needs to make a financial decision. The only thing that it points to is Julio Jones. You want to keep someone like Matt Ryan in that locker room, in that organization, because he still has a lot 
in the tank, at least for the next four or five years, with the longevity that these quarterbacks are playing with. Personally, I wouldn't I would not have taken Pitts. I would have taken Panay Suwell, protect Matt Ryan, keep his career from being an early retirement, because that offensive line has been abysmal for them. And that's definitely been a problem, as well as maybe address some of the defensive needs. I said earlier on, I believe I had them taking Patrick Sertain there at ninth after trading with Denver during our mock draft here last week. I was way fucking off, but that was also just a fucking complete shot in the dark. But why not address your defensive needs? Get Matt Ryan, get Julio Jones, get Calvin Ridley that ball even more with the lockdown corner, maybe like a J.C. Horn if you snag them from Carolina that you now have to play twice a year, or a Patrick Sertain. Atlanta is a dumpster fire. It's only an amount of time over the next couple years until that team just totally gets revamped. Kyle Pitts is an absolute talent, though, so you can't knock the pick. But right now what they're going through with that front office, with that salary cap, to add an offensive weapon like this, how can you not see Julio Jones in the exit door here after that June 1st date? We're going to keep it moving along here. Cincinnati picked number five. Big surprise. They went with Joe Burrow's favorite target in college, Jamar Chase. That young quarterback's already talking to his front office, and they're getting his wishes of a first-round wide receiver. Wink, wink, cough, cough, foreshadowing. But the main thing we want to talk about, I thought this was a surprise. The Dolphins at number six end up picking Jalen Waddle. Looks like Tua's choosing favorites over uh, Devontae Smith. Maybe some drama here in the offseason. Tua's going to his front office, talking them into getting one of his playmakers from college, getting that connection. Wow, Tua's a young star to go to the front office, and you know the front office delivers on that. That must be nice getting a first-round wide receiver. Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, added in with Jalen Waddell. Of course, you have Jacecki there at their tight end position, and you have Miles Gaskins at the running back. All of a sudden, that's a pretty interesting offense that has been created there in Miami. I want to toss it to you, obviously, here, Wally. What was your evaluation of that number of pick six? It caught me by surprise. I thought it was going to be Panay Suel all day until they just fell, or until he just fell to the Lions right into their lap. Yeah, I was initially surprised that it wasn't Sewell as well. But I will say this, is it's very clear that the Dolphins, and Brian Flores came out and actually talked about it this week, one of the benefits they felt like they had going into this draft cycle is that they had a leg up on Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle opposed to other teams because they did so much homework on Tua last year. And Tua obviously played well with both of these guys on top of Henry Ruggs and on top of Jerry Judy as well. So they did have a lot of that little extra film. They think that if they can put those weapons around a guy like Tua, you're going to see a significant year of growth from him because he really didn't have all that great of a rookie season. There's a reason why Fitzpatrick kept getting thrown back into situations and games because he played so poorly early on. I'm going to give him another year. I think the team is willing to give him another year and happy to do that. And one of the ways they can is they bring in a friend of his. They bring in a guy that already has that built-in chemistry. Waddle opposed to Devontae is a more interesting question to me, opposed to receiver over Swool, just because this was such a deep line class and the Dolphins do feel somewhat comfortable in that line. What confused me, or not confused me, I should say, they put their line in the sand they felt like Jalen Waddle was more of an NFL built wide receiver. Devonte, yeah, he's six foot opposed to Waddle. I want to say he's like five nine and a half or five ten and a half. And Waddle is ten pounds heavier, so he's kind of more built for durability. 
He's built to sustain those big hits where Devontae came in six foot, 166 pounds. That scares a lot of teams off. And I think the Dolphins decided to go with what they believe to be a safer option in Waddle. Now, we'll see if that actually turns out to be the case. Because I know we're going to talk about Philadelphia here in a few minutes. But I really like Devontae Smith. If you can get over the size worries, the guy's a phenomenal route runner. He has great hands. If he can just stay on the football field, I think I would side with Philadelphia taking Devontae over Miami taking Jalen Waddle, man. I definitely agree with that, Wally. You know, Devontae Smith only just won the Heisman. Now, if Jalen Waddle, you know, he was injured this past year. If he was there, maybe that wouldn't be the story. Devontae Smith was just an absolute dog this past year. Why would you not want to pick him? Which is a perfect segue into the team that picked him, the Philadelphia Eagles, where your girl was pretty pumped up. Eagles decided to trade. Oh, man. They sent their their 12th, 84th pick overall to Dallas to move up for Devontae Smith. Now, this is an in-trade. This is an in-division trade. During the draft, a swap within the top 15, you do not see this too often. I'm surprised Dallas didn't ask for a little bit more chump change. Eagles end up moving to 10. They picked Devontae Smith. Tua's boy from Alabama. So two Alabama receivers there in the top 10. And he's reunited with with Jalen Hurts, his old Alabama teammate before he transferred over to Oklahoma. Then obviously getting drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, there's still a lot of questions around if Hurts is going to be that guy for him. Philly needed a receiver so bad. Do you think that they finally hit on a receiver this year? They can finally build that offense around a couple key pieces? If he stays healthy, it's like I was saying before, if he stays healthy, Devontae Smith is right there with Jamar Chase to me as being the best wide receiver in this class. He has feet like you wouldn't believe. His route running is phenomenal. There's a reason why guys like him, not only with his speed, not only with his football IQ to be able to catch the ball and put himself in a position not to get hit, not to get hurt, but his route running, he's phenomenal. It just comes down to the question is he going to stay healthy? And I can't believe, funny enough, you said my girl, so Colleen Wolf. I mean, am I going to have to eventually not hate Philadelphia? I don't think I'm ready for that kind of commitment yet. But I will say this. This is a good starting point because I don't hate their pick at all. I'd go as far to say this. We didn't mention this. Landon Dickerson in the second round might have been one of my favorite picks in this entire draft. Again, you have to ask about durability and health. So you know how the Eagles get banged up. There's a chance that neither of these guys play a freaking snap. That would be fitting. But Landon Dickerson, he was the kid that comes in on the final play of that Ohio State-Alabama national title game, gives the snap for the quarterback, and the team was overwhelmed with happiness for him. That is so cool. That's something you don't see a lot of times. You see a team – I mean, imagine at that situation, Steven, you and I were winning a national title. Am I worried about someone else getting their – a snap? No, no, I'm probably not. I'm just trying to get a national title, and that's all I care about. This entire team kind of huddled around him, like really celebrated what his contribution was for the team. He's the most textbook Philadelphia player out there, and I don't mean that as a negative thing as I usually would. He's very outgoing. He's outspoken. He loves the game of football. He loves to hit people. Philadelphia had a really fun early part of this draft for me. I wasn't as much in love with the later part of day two and day three, 
But at the end of the day, if you hit on day one and day two, it allows you to go a little bit more of a risky avenue on that third day. I love what they did. And then just literally five seconds on what the Cowboys did. You trade down. Yeah, you didn't get a ton of it or a ton of value, I should say. But I will say this much for for Cowboy fans out there. You move down and you potentially get the best defensive player in this entire draft class at pick 12. This is a home run for the NFC East any way that you can really cut it. Well, fuck the NFC East, Wally. This is not an NFC East podcast. I just wanted to tell you, I'm like four and a half beers in and I'm a mental midget. Can't remember where I'm at. How do you do this usually? Like I'm like so scatterbrained right now where I'm just like NFC East. That's right. That's where they play. Now, you don't sound that bad. Yeah. I mean, I only go like two or three. I mean, before we used to get real shit-faced, but then like we had to clean it up real quick. I only do like two or three. I'm a good boy. Yeah. Our first, what, two or three episodes, we were like eight and a half deep. I'm like, I think the Raiders could go 14 and two this year. Probably chief losses. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head on there. Yeah, couldn't agree more there, Wally. You know, their their first two picks pairing up. Now we got the triplet of uh, ex-Alabama stars in that offense between Landon Dickerson and Defonte Smith. Then they go on to address that defense. Six or yeah, six of their next seven picks, defensive players outside of the running back Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis in uh, in round five. They get three defensive linemen, a cornerback from Texas Tech, Zach McPherson. Outside linebacker and a safety. So they addressed the secondary. They got a little bit of each, which is nice. They were the 18th total defense last year, 14th in passing, 22, 22nd in the rush. Now, the rush defense is what really sticks out because they have been pretty dominant in there. Yeah, with the likes of Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham that have typically been leading their, uh, or their defensive side of the ball. Being 22nd in the rush defense was not their forte. We know that Drew, Doug Peterson got the axe this year. Whole new head coach. We'll see how this defense is going to look under you know the new D coordinators, defensive coaches. They have a lot of young talent on here. Shout out to my boy Teron Jackson, Coastal Carolina. Always got to see, always got to love when the Carolina boys are out there. Pirates represent. Is it East Carolina the Pirates? Yes, yeah, it's Coastal Carolina. I talked about you, fucking idiot. Fuck yeah, aren't they? They're like the Chandeliers or something like that. The Chanticleers. Yeah, something cool like that. I don't know. Some uh, some school by the beach. Dustin Johnson went there. No big deal. In unfortunate news, at least for this podcast, looking like the Chicago Bears have found their quarterback of the future. Trading up to number 11 to snag Justin Fields. Trading with the Giants. The Giants got the 20th pick, fifth round first, and fourth round pick. This is combined for the next two years. We may be looking back on here. This may be the steal of the draft quarterback-wise going down the road outside of Trevor Lawrence. You got Justin Fields joining a backfield with Tyreek Cohen, David Montgomery. You got Allen Robinson as their number one receiver. Did the Chicago Bears finally find the quarterback of their future, in your opinion, Wally? First of all, I have to say, you said this was a dark day for everyone, including this podcast. In a secret way, this is kind of great for the podcast. Because now you got, and we'll get into the Packers stuff. Don't want to bring that up too early. But we're going to talk about... Your buddy, Adam Alfonso, I even remember a couple weeks ago, he sends out a little tweet to you and I, and he just goes, my guy, and it's Justin Fields in a Bears uniform. And this was before I bought into the Justin Fields free-falling movement. So I was just like, dude, (laughs) I love your guy's energy, but this ain't going to happen. He's not going to be a Bear. 
They're going to have to ride or die with Andy Dalton or Kellen Mond or Ian Book or whatever, David Stills, whatever they decide to throw out there. But I will say this. The Bears, I love this pick. Love this pick. Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, the ghost of Jimmy Graham, and what is still a very good defense, or at least functional defense, this is a situation that not a lot of rookie Bears quarterbacks walk into where it feels like if things click for them, they could be highly successful. I mean, you have to realistically go back to like Kyle Orton, where it's like the defense is pretty good. If he just does his job, we can all of a sudden turn this Bears team from a 7 or 8 win team to a team that's not only competing for the NFC North title, but a team that's trying to play the second or third week in the playoffs. I love Fields. I'm biased. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not biased, but I think that it's time for you to get a little nervous and for your other Cheesehead fans to get a little nervous. I am not liking the pick at all. It's a very good pick. That's mostly why I'm not liking it. Justin Fields is going to be an absolute stud, I think. You know, coming out of Ohio State, finally breaking that mold of the quarterbacks that do get pumped out of that school. There's one more thing you need to think about. That offensive line play last year was dog shit. Looking at you, Adam, you know it was dog shit. I got texts of you crying about how bad this offensive line is. Cool, Justin Fields could be back there, but... Patrick Mahomes proved that. If you cannot be protected, you cannot do shit in this league. So until that offensive line is addressed, then I'm not going to be too worried about it. There are still holes. There are things to worry about. But this is for the first time in a long time. It feels like, honestly, I would love to hear your thoughts as a Packer fan. But this is probably the first time I would be nervous as someone in the NFC North about the Bears quarterback position since they acquired Jay Cutler from Denver, right? I don't know, Jason Campbell, pretty solid player. You can't forget about my dude, Mike Lennon, sprinkling with a little bit of uh, Josh McCown. Maybe maybe a nice little couple games here from Seneca Wallace. Yeah, I know he played for Green Bay, too. He played for both of them. Can't forget about Rex Grossman. That was pre-Jay Cutler. And, of course, the cherry on top, the most appetizing dish on the buffet, Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, I'm going to miss that man. Yeah, you still sound a little bitter about this recent draft pick. I'm interested to see how, I guess, once you get a little closer to the fall, especially if, again, don't want to bring it up too early. I know it hurts, but if Aaron Rodgers isn't in Green Bay, the panic, does it set in where you're like, does Justin Fields, the rookie Chicago Bear, if they lead the Bears to an NFC North title in year one, like what's panic level at? It's got to be an eight or a nine, huh? No, it can't be because it's a rookie quarterback. It's you got to prove yourself. So it's a blank slate. This is the league. We'll see. There's still going to be that OSU monkey on his back. It's like your quarterback from OSU. You know you're not going to do anything, right? So we'll see. We'll see how he does with the pressure. But yeah, I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, Walter. I'm not too worried about it right now. Let me see what my quarterback wants to do, and we'll go from there. It's hilarious to me that even two or three weeks ago, you and I were sitting here going, hey, you got to scout the player, not the school. This is not like an Ohio State problem. This is an every quarterback problem. And now as soon as he's a bear, he's like, dude, he's a Buckeye. He's going to suck, dude. I'm not saying that, but, you know, there's always going to be that stigma that's caught with every single 
OSU quarterback that's being pumped out. We'll see. It's a pro offense. He's got some studs in the backfield for him. He's got Allen Robinson there. I bet he definitely wants to come back and play since Mitchell Trubisky's gone. And, you know, a little fun QB battle between him and Andy Dalton. At the end of the day, I'm really praying that Andy Dalton pulls his head out of his ass, plays good football for uh, you know a couple months there in OTAs, gets a starting position for eight games until they're completely out of the playoff push, and then I'll deal with next year. Yeah, but you're not rooting for Justin Fields by any stretch. Now, all of a sudden, you're rooting for that Ohio State failing stigma. Not necessarily. I'm just rooting for any Bears quarterback to fail or any member on the Chicago Bears to fail. I wasn't latching on to Justin Fields. You guys know me, and if you don't, I'm not really a big Ohio State guy living right in the heart of Columbus, but just never really, uh, you know, never really tickled my fancy cheering for Ohio State. So I, I wish Justin Fields luck. I just hope. I also just wish that uh, he's not going to be successful with the Chicago Bears. Maybe suck it up for a couple years, go somewhere else. Trey Lance falls through. San Francisco finally gets him. Then they turn him into a great quarterback. Never have to worry about him again. Okay, that's fine. I'll give you that for now. We'll see what your opinion is if the Bears start 4-1 and one and Justin Fields is balling out and the Packers without Aaron Rodgers is like 2-3 and three and somehow snowing in September because that's what will happen. That is what will happen. We'll see. we got the schedule dropping here next Wednesday. So we'll be circling a lot of games there on the calendar, one of this being – how could you not want to circle this? The Bears-Packers rivalry. Hopefully Aaron's there. Old versus the new. We'll see. Now I want to go on and get your opinion, Wally. Your Vegas Raiders. Pick on number 17. What a lot of people thought was a stretch, they picked the offensive tackle out of Alabama, Alex Leatherwood. A much-needed addressing of a position, offensive line. You guys have lost four offensive line starters here just in this past offseason. You had an, an instant plug-and-play player in Alex Leatherwood. You know, I feel like Alabama is O-line you. Well, they're, you know, they're everything you, but they pump out O-linemen left and right, right there with your Ohio State Buckeyes. So I'm not going to talk too much here. Also in the free agency, they added Casey Hayward. Been in contact with Richard Sherman, which we'll see how that goes with the addition of Casey Hayward. Absolute stud, ex-Packer, love the signing. Kudos to you. But overall, I want to throw it to you. What are your thoughts about this Alex Leatherwood pick? I know you really like the first two picks and just the overall draft for your Vegas Raiders. So here's the deal. I understand that Alex Leatherwood is perceived as a reach by many people. What I think that a lot of people, the ca- like casual fans that hear Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, talk about these guys and say they're a reach, what they don't understand is that Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they're not saying is these guys aren't going to be good pros. I think the reason why Alex Leatherwood was a little bit lower on depth charts or a little bit lower on draft previews is purely because people had him mocked as he was going to slide inside to guard. Now, Tom Cable is one of the best, if not the best, offensive line coach in the entire NFL. So I will say this. If Tom Cable believes that Alex Leatherwood is the best offensive lineman in this class, do I agree with him? No. What I will do is I'm going to give him a chance to work with him. Because I think if Alex Leatherwood does step in and plays right tackle immediately and you are able to get what even half of what Tom Cable and the Raiders team are confident they're getting – 
All of a sudden, this offensive line is a lot younger, a lot cheaper, and it's much better in the run game. That's not something they could say last year. You mentioned uh, losing four offensive linemen to, or starting offensive linemen from last year. So yeah, it's a little different. You're going to have Colt Miller's the only guaranteed starter back on that line. Richie Incognito still could play left guard, but we don't know yet. Maybe John Simpson, maybe a guy like Nick Martin can slide over there. You have Andre James stepping in for the massive hole Rodney Hudson left. Denzel Good likely is going to start at guard. And you still have Brandon Parker that's going to be able to play right tackle in case Leatherwood gets hurt. That's a thin position. You're really hoping these guys stay healthy between Miller and Leatherwood. As for Casey, Casey Hayward, I was really fired up about this. I preferred him over Richard Sherman. I know that it's much more of a scheme fit. Richard Sherman's always been more of the steadier half of the field, comfortable playing in zone. Raiders do like playing in man more. Whether that's the same under Gus Bradley, we will see. But I'm, I'm honestly, I seriously mean this. This is the most excited I've been about the Raiders' defense going into a season in, oh God, I don't know, 10 years. And it all, ultimately, at that point, it turns into if the Raiders' offensive line's even average, Derek Carr, sign me up for a career year. You should be excited about that defense. I mean, it can't get much worse. Since Sean Gruden has came, come back as the NFL coach in 2018, the Raiders have let up the most points in the NFL during that span. So they can't get much worse, bud. I have a lot of young studs here. Got a couple on their fringe here. Your boy Jonathan Abrams being one of them. Need to make that third-year leap. Just can't seem to stay healthy. Well, I don't know. He just always fakes his injuries. He just lies there dead for like 10 minutes every time he gets hit. Then pops right back up just so he can get all the attention. Very young and dominant defensive line. You got Max Crosby, your boy, what, Ngakwe? Am I pronouncing that finally correctly? Yannick Ngakwe, yes, sir. So they are able to get to the quarterback. We'll see how that young secondary wants to do. But you should be excited. Derek Carr, career year, we'll see. Definitely a make or break. But I think that he's going to end up in Green Bay. Well, if he's ending up in Green Bay, are we going to end up seeing your boy, as you would typically tell me, end up down in the Vegas desert? Aaron Rodgers, do you want to switch gears? Get your sad take on what's going on in Green Bay right now. I'm about to absolutely just sound off on this, Wally. I have been waiting so long. I've just been collecting. I've just been sitting, collecting information because it's all hearsay. It's all smoke and mirrors, as you'd like to say. So until we actually get everything in evidence, which right now it's an absolute clusterfuck. So the reason I said that I expect Derek Carr to be in Green Bay next year, when me and Wally started the Ohio Media School, where we first met, fell in love, kiss, you know the whole story. Right after they drafted Jordan Love, we recorded one of our first episodes together where I was saying, because of this, expect this to be Aaron Rodgers' last season and for him to be in Vegas because of this move. Everyone thought I was absolutely, I was an absolute idiot. Come here about a year, year and a half later, look where we are. So, the Aaron Rodgers drama. As you guys have known, and if you don't know, I know you guys know because no one, you guys will not stop fucking texting me. I know. Just leave me alone, guys. Let me just drink, be sad, and move on with my life. So, what's happened here last week? We've had Aaron Rodgers, breaking news that Aaron Rodgers has informed his team, has told teammates, has told his free agents that were leaving the team that he was not going to be expecting to return to Green Bay. 
Now, this was all has been boiling over here. Quite frankly, I've been, you can ask any of my friends here, especially the ones growing up, I have been bitching about this front office for the past decade. This is all boiling over, and now this is all starting to become public. First and foremost, I am completely team Aaron Rodgers on this one. Why? Because the front office of Green Bay is one of the most poorly run, if not the worst, ran front office in the NFL. It has just been shadowed by the likes of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Why do I say that? Since the Super Bowl that they won in 2010, they have done nothing to help Aaron Rodgers. They will add defensive players. Sure. Do they ever get a first-round wide receiver to Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely not. Devontae Adams, if you want to fight that, second round. The only time that Aaron Rodgers has thrown a touchdown to a first-round pick was Mercedes Lewis. 13 years after he got picks in the first round from the Jacksonville Jaguars, now on the team. So what's all spilling over is Aaron's frustration, where he doesn't feel like he's involved with a lot of the personnel decisions or decisions for the football operations or just the team in general, which he is not. He has reached out for tons of help over the past years, which is – with just no help in the draft. Brady Papinga, ex-linebacker here for the Packers, has been on Colin Coward's show for a while. He actually works for Fox Sports. I remember listening to an episode last year of The Herd where Brady Papinga was sat down, released from the team after winning the Super Bowl because they did not want to add any defensive pieces because, quote, I don't know how official this quote is. It's all hearsay at this point until someone finds the episode. But, quote, I was released because they thought that Aaron Rodgers and that offense can just outscore anybody. Coming to that 2011 year, that defense could not stop a nosebleed to save its life, and so on and so forth. Aaron Rodgers' most successful offensive days are when he had Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, he's got James Jones, you know, when, when he was healthy, Jermichael Finley, and not really a running back. He had James Starks, he had a little bit of Eddie Lacy. So not really a solid running back, but he had options. So what do you do? You barely give him a defense over the past 10 years. Mike McCarthy was an absolute fucking joke for that organization. Aaron Rodgers did nothing but mock him, make fun of him, did never never play. He would laugh at the calls that Mike McCarthy would, would signal in, and then Aaron would change the play. So there's just no respect there. So what does Aaron do? He puts him in the situation of, me or Mike McCarthy. So he's already done this situation before. So now Aaron is breaking this news. This is all boiled over because no one wants to listen to Aaron. So what do they do? They go ahead and draft Jordan Love. They move up in the first round of last year to draft Jordan Love. But, but Wally, it's okay. It's okay. Because Brian Gutekus, the current GM of the Green Bay Packers, had after after all this is coming out, he decided to let us know that the reason that he wanted to move up was to get Justin Jefferson or that Brandon Ayuka guy from San Francisco. So they moved up to get him and they weren't able to get them. So the next logical pick was a fucking quarterback. To move up for in the first round. That's your logical pick. But it's okay. He was going for Justin Jefferson. So, okay. Yeah, let's swing that under the rug, Brian. Eight of the last nine first-round picks for Green Bay have been defense outside of Jordan Love. 2018, Jair Alexander. You know what? I'll give that one a pass. I'll give that one a pass. Kid's an absolute stud. Top, top two cornerback in the league outside of Jalen Ramsey. Do not at me. 
2019 comes along. Who does Green Bay pick? Darnell Savage. Safety. Okay. Could have Marquise Brown. Could have paired him up. A little speedy guy. That'd be fun. Maybe reach for a Nikhil Harry. Okay. Not, not, not a lot to work with. But that's okay. Because there's just this tiny little receiver that not only did we pass on once, but we passed on twice. He goes by the name of DK Metcalf. Is that ringing a bell for you at all? What about AJ Brown? What about those guys? What about even a Deontay Johnson? But no. We go back-to-back defensive picks in the 2019, yet not addressing Aaron Rodgers' needs yet again. We fast-forward to the next year. We trade up for Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely furious. He wa- This offseason, he wants to get traded. We all know this. This is nothing new to what's happening currently right now. So Aaron Rodgers now, he's pissed off because he drafted his heir apparent. Guy barely fucking dresses the whole year. And apparently the death kneel is when he is hyping up wide receiver Jake Kumaro. The next day, Brian Gutekunst cuts him from the roster. Apparently that's the death kneel in the relationship. So now Aaron has a chip on his shoulder this whole year. He just goes on to win this little, <laughs> little participation award called the most valuable player in the NFL. Now this offseason's coming. He is still pissed off. He wants a contract extension. They're not giving it to him. All this talk, now he hates Gunnikus. He wants him fired. Aaron doesn't want to come back to the team now unless Gunnikus is fired. Now, this seems a l- very familiar to the Mike McCarthy or Aaron Rodgers, where, as you guys know, they picked Aaron Rodgers over Mike McCarthy. Now they're putting that GM in the same position. My question is, why the fuck hasn't Gunnikus been fired yet? Get that man the fuck out of here. I was only 13 when the Brett Favre shit was happening, but I'm having PTSD. That's a little bit different. Brett Favre is a couple years older. Nonetheless, we have seen what is happening with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks front office. We saw what Peyton Manning did in Denver. We're seeing what Tom Brady is doing in Tampa Bay. Do you want to be that team that lets go a first bound Hall of Famer to go win a Super Bowl somewhere else where that could have been you? For as historic, air quotes, as the Green Bay Packers are, to have two Super Bowls in the past 55 years doesn't really seem too historic to me. So you're going to let your best opportunity walk out the door, have that Super Bowl window shut, and be done with it. How can you not be on Aaron Rodgers' team right now when Green Bay's done nothing but made him bite the belt, bend over, not have a defense, constantly have their defense ruin their chances. Arizona 2015 wildcard game. Hell, the Arizona 2009 wildcard game. The Seahawks 2016 championship game. The past two NFC championship games as well. I understand. And then what do they do here? Oh, Aaron's almost out. Let's pick a fucking quarterback that we can get in the second round right now. No, no, no. Let's not get the best cornerback available. Let's get the eighth best cornerback when four through seven is already in front of him. And you can pick him in the second round. I get it. You want to pair someone with Jair Alexander. I love it. In the second round. Elijah Moore. From Ole Miss, we just saw the last two Ole Miss products cause nothing but fucking problems in the NFL. And you're just going to let the next one walk out. 
Now all of a sudden, they got Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson in New York. I bet that's going to be a pretty dangerous duo here in the next couple of years. But you're just going to continually draft your way out of having Aaron Rodgers on your team. For what expense? What in the fuck are you going to get for him? You, you can get a lot, but are you going to get a quarterback ready to win a Super Bowl because of that defense? That defense has nothing to – they don't have any stats. They haven't played against anyone. They're not that good. Kevin King, why'd you get re-signed? And then why do we draft fucking Eric Stokes? Sign a fucking receiver. Hell, even fucking trade up for Rondale Moore. Add him. Okay, yeah, he got Amari Rodgers from Clemson. His whole highlight tape is running a fucking fly route. We don't need that. This is fucking blasphemy. Aaron Rodgers, I love you. I hope you don't leave Green Bay. Wherever you do go, my fandom is most likely going. And not only is Aaron Rodgers' future in question, might. To be honest with you, my Green Bay Packers fandom is in question right now. Wow, I heard that at the end. I The Packers fandom, I know that that's obviously in the heat of the moment, but I really don't have much to say. I, I mean, this has been a trend even when I was in Wisconsin where a lot of my buddies that pay attention legitimately to football, not, you know, the, hey, let's watch Packers on Sunday football fans, they're the same way where – they haven't had a nice thing to say about this front office in a decade, like a legitimate decade. And I, I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers in a helmet. That's not the green Bay Packers, but I also couldn't imagine Brett Favre in a helmet, not the green Bay Packers. And there's people 40 years before us, even that couldn't imagine Bart Starr in a helmet besides the green Packers. No, obviously that's different. You know what I'm saying? But each one, 16 years with the Packers, did not play season 17. We, one of those weird sports stats where you have to wonder if he if he does leave. It's just like, it, like, is there an actual thing to it? Of course not. But it feels weird. And, dude, I don't know. I really don't have much to add just because I'm not used to having a single franchise quarterback, let alone... Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, then losing them both in the fashion they have. I, dude, I, for your sake, as a person, I hope Aaron Rodgers stays in, in Green Bay. For our success as a podcast, it wouldn't kill me if he goes somewhere else because the sound off for him leaving will be hilarious. And wherever he goes, I know that it'll be like what Patriot fans with Tom Brady this last year in Tampa. If he goes to, I don't know, Denver, let's say, I know that you will be more than happy to see the Mile High City get a mile high of success with Aaron Rodgers. Let's hope it's not Denver because obviously that would make me miserable. But please, by all means, anything else you want to say about the Aaron Rodgers situation, this is your platform, man. This is what happens when you don't have an owner. Oh, you know, but Green Bay is so unique. Everyone's an owner. All right, well, everyone go to Gunko's house. Get him fucking fired then. That's It's an easy fix. It's an easy fix. This is a fireable offense. And literally every other organization, if you have this problem with your star Hall of Fame, three-time MVP winning quarterback, how do you not get axed? 
And of course, and how could you not agree with Aaron Rodgers? Now reports coming out that he's mocking Brian Gutenkus, calling him almost Jerry Krause. And if you guys don't know that name, that was the GM of the Chicago Bulls in the 90s that seamlessly was doing the same exact thing that's going on right now. How can you respect that guy? Gunakus, get the fuck out of, yeah, I said it because I'm a majority owner or minority owner. Get out of my front office. You're ruining the best quarterback to ever touch a Packer uniform. Do not let this happen again. And this is why it sucks not having an owner, an actual tangible owner to put his foot down and be like, you know what? Yeah, you kind of, you kind of, Fuck this one up, Goop. You're going to have to go. But all I have to say is hashtag fire Goop. I have to ask, though. I saw something on Twitter last night, and I know you're not a big Twitter guy, so there's a really good chance you haven't seen it, especially because you're not a baseball fan either. They threw up Aaron Rodgers' picture and video up on the Brewers. It's not Miller Park anymore, whatever the hell finance group park it is now. Do you... Or I, I, I know you don't agree. What was your reaction to see that there was a sizable amount of Brewer fans booing Aaron Rodgers? Or do you spin zone this where you can look at it and be like, they're not booing Aaron Rodgers. They're booing the fact he might leave. How did you look at that? Because that was tough for even me to look at. You can't have that. That's that's definitely not a good look. How could you boo your quarterback? Like I said in the beginning, I am team Aaron on this. And kind of to your point here earlier when you were, you know, expressing your opinion, those are the people that are just, yeah, oh, package on, we'll throw them on. Those aren't the guys that are, that are like us, that we go in depth. I mean, you have heard me sound off about this front office for as long as you've known me. So I am unbiased. I get the picture. A lot of these fans just don't know. They're like, oh, that's that Aaron Rodgers fella that doesn't want to play for us because he doesn't like our cheese anymore. It's like, no, fuck you, dude. Read. Read a fucking book, you Milwaukee Hill Jack, and understand the situation that if the front office wasn't dicking Aaron Rodgers around and this whole team, not setting him up for success, we wouldn't be in this position. All you have to remember is the year that he had his collarbone broken, and even the year the year he broke his collarbone, how horrible we were. And then again in twenty what, twenty sixteen. When he missed most, when he only played five games, how horrible we were. Does Sean Kaiser ring a bell for you at all? Brett Hudley ring a bell for you at all? So don't fucking boo that man. You're only making him want to leave more now. I wish people could see, and I we say it every week, but I swear I'm trying. I'm trying to get better at all this tech stuff. Once we can get video, it's going to be so much better. Because right now, because of the way this is set up, we have to basically alternate talking. So it makes it a little bit more... I guess not organic like you would have a normal conversation at a bar where you're talking over your buddies. Steven was laughing at me talking about the draft stuff earlier. I haven't had a straight face in probably the last 15 minutes because I'm just laughing at watching him talk about the Packers. And ah, and he mentioned it earlier, but we talked about this. like Before we did this podcast, we met at Ohio Media School and we would just have those moments where I go over to his house we drink whatever and we're just venting about our teams. I've heard this exact speech like a year ago. It just so happened to precede what's going on by a year. But I I mean shit. I'm not going to add anything. You you summed it up well, especially coming from a Packers fan. I 
all I can say, like I said, for you, for Stephen Weed, I hope that he remains a Packer. For the podcast sake, I wash my hands with it. I'm Pontius piloting this. My hands have been washed. All right, hot take. We're gonna we're gonna make a lot of moves. This is what's gonna happen. They're gonna end up extending. I just saw, actually saw a report from an anonymous GM, a text saying, "I think that Aaron's gonna be. They're not gonna trade Aaron, and he's gonna end up being one of the highest paid players. Get him on a very lucrative deal for the team. Obviously, a bunch. Hey, throw the whole fucking city of Green Bay, all two hundred of those people, at him right away. His guaranteed money." But let's make that trade for Julio Jones. Shut him up. The rest is history, baby. I'm back on it. Oh, we here. We're now now Julio's here. It's gonna be Devontae and Aaron Rodgers. Talk about a spin zone. You went from the world is melting to not only is Aaron gonna be back, we got Julio coming into Lombardi party in February in Green Bay next year. Yeah, well, I just got to stay positive. In, in all reality, from what I personally think is going to happen, I I think that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in Green Bay next year. I think that tensions are just going to continually spill over. Unless Gunnikust is fired, which I am praying, it's not going to get done. I don't know if there's going to be an amount of money extension-wise that's going to keep him in Green Bay just because of the last decade just finally spilling over. I expect him in, you know, hopefully in an AFC team next year. I will dedicate the next couple days to finding that Facebook video of us, of me declaring this probably around exactly a year ago so you guys know we're not bullshitting. Yeah, but otherwise, I don't really have anything else. I know this was a longer episode, but of course, this is the draft or the episode after the draft. We expect this one to be longer, which that's how it is. We'll be back to our normal times this next week. Stephen, let you take it away. Plug the social media and all that aspect. But otherwise, like I said, T's and P's to you and all the Packer fans out there because you got a little bit of a rough offseason or remainder of the offseason coming towards you. Yeah, well, of course, follow all of our social media platforms. Instagram, Facebook, at Loss of Down. Then, of course, Twitter, down underscore loss. Just had a nice little post there. Keep it out for our stories. Let us know. Send them. Get in our DMs. Slide in our DMs a little bit. Let us know what you uh, what you guys think of the draft. What you thought our thoughts of the draft were. Definitely what uh, you think about this whole Aaron Rodgers saga. Outside of that, I'm Stephen Weed. He's Walter Lukashensky. And all I have to say is hashtag fire Gutenkust. Colleen Wolf and I are getting married on the edge of the lake of Lake Erie. You guys are all invited. Honeymoon is going to be on Putin Bay. All are welcome.